0: Good morning, church. Good morning. It is so good to see each and every one of you this morning, and I trust that you're ready. God is already here with us, and he's going to continue to work in our hearts, and I pray that your heart is open. Amen? Amen. 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 All right. All right. Church, we are continuing this morning in our Christmas uh, sermon series titled Christmas Presents. It's not about the presence under the tree, but it's about that presence that God provides for us. And so we will be looking at the account of Jesus' birth in the Gospel of Luke. And if you were here last week, Major Phil looked at the same Gospel, the Gospel of Luke chapter 1. Account of Jesus begin that his as Jesus birth in the beginning of his journey, and so we're going to be looking at Luke chapter two. So if you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and start looking into it. And as we get into the Word this morning, you see, Church. Although we have read and listened to the account of Jesus' birth each Christmas, now it's Christmas. We go through the whole story of Jesus' birth. But let me ask you this: Do we? Do you slow down and truly reflect on the circumstances surrounding this spectacular and miraculous moment in history? Do you? Because I want us, as we journey for the next um, Advent, the next Sundays, how we are going to journey, and I want us to to really slow down and reflect on what it really means. You see, it is the moment that all creation had been waiting for with great anticipation. Prophets predicted it. Men and women of God prayed to see it. But still, the world, the world was completely unprepared for how the birth of Jesus would unfold. And so open with me to Luke chapter 2 verses 1 through 7. And I would like for you, in reading of the word this morning, if you could rise, if you're able to, please stand as we read Luke chapter 2, 1 through 7. And it's going to be on the screen, and it says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room available for them. May God bless the reading of his word, and you may be seated. Thank you. You know, um, it was about a year ago, uh, in October last year, Major and I were, uh, many of you know that we were able to, to go to the Holy Land to do a... Um, um, it was an educational tour that we were privileged to be part of. And I tell you, it was an amazing, amazing experience. And if should you have an opportunity to be able to go to Israel and, and see and be in the places where Jesus was. And we were in Nazareth. And I, as, as I'm even talking about it right now, I'm getting chi- I'm ch- chicken skin all over because I know the present of what it was like to be in Nazareth traveling, not by foot, but he was on a bus. Heading to Bethlehem. Bethlehem, where there were crowds and crowds of, of people. But the crowds of people and the business that was created when we were there, it was because of tourism. Lots of people all over the place that where Jesus was born. But church here in the time of Jesus' birth, Bethlehem was bustling with congestion and business created for the reason of this mandatory census issued by Caesar Augustus. And no one was exempt from this census that required families to return to their hometown. And as you have heard in scripture that Joseph himself was a descendant of King David. And they made their journey, Mary and Joseph, their journey to Bethlehem, despite Being very close to her delivery date, Mary and Joseph braved the long and tiring journey home to the city of David, Bethlehem. And that journey was on foot. That journey was about, I would say, 80 miles long. And so without the hotels and restaurants that occupy a large cities like today, hospitality was precious, was a precious commodity under normal circumstances. But the crowds for the census at that time had exceeded Bethlehem's capacity. Because it says in Luke 2, verse 7, it says that as she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger. Laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. No vacancy. No vacancy. Church, um, Major and I um, were stationed in, in Denver, Colorado. We were there for about three three years. The Salvation Army appointed us there. And part of our... Um, our appointment required of us to travel from Denver through the, the state of Wyoming, Montana, even to Utah. And then we had Makaya and Gabby were very young then. So it was, we would travel in our minivan, pack it all up, you know, as your young families, you'd pack it up. And so in our one of our travels, I remember it so clearly. Because you see, as we were heading up to Montana through Wyoming, it was very late at night, really late at night, and we were tired, exhausted. Kids were tired evening through the evening and watching that little tiny, remember the VCR that comes with a small TV? That was it for us to entertain our kids. And so we need to stop. But that night, all the hotels you can think of, and I'm not, I'm not kidding, this really happened. All the Holiday Inn Express, um, Lion Hotel, whatever, um, Comfort Inn, uh, Days Inn, they were all full. I'm like, of all times, really? And so, come on, we need to stay the night somewhere. So we, Wyoming, in in the middle of nowhere, we found a town. Do I remember the name of the town? I don't. But I do remember this. It was scary. It was scary because, you see, the only thing that that attracted us to it was this bright light that says, Available Room. Of our situation, that was, we were heading there. And so let's go ahead, we just got to take this. We had no choice. We got there, we got our room, we got in quickly, hurried in, got into the room, and I tell you, it was, like I said, scary. Got in there, what do I see? A room full of the colors, yellow, green, yellow, mustard, greenish carpet and curtains. Yeah! Wow! Right, Paul. Wow. It was like you really. There were bugs all over the place. I went straight to the bathroom and checked the tub. Had a dead roaches in there, and I'm like, "Ooh, okay. We well, we ha- we have no choice." But the worst part of it too is that we, and Major and I, still laugh about it because the door wouldn't lock. <laughs> so we we grabbed the ch- He grabbed the chair, put it, and I kind of like lean it onto the handle, making sure that that's our lock for the door. And makes for me, I'm paranoid and just scared to death, I found some aluminum cans. I put the aluminum cans around the door by the thing just in case someone tries to come in. Just when they do make that noise, then I know that they're trying to come in. What an experience. No vacancy but with one place. Somewhere in the middle of Wyoming. No room, no room. I can just picture what happened in Bethlehem that time when Mary and Joseph were in. Not quite, nothing quite frustrating. Have you been there? To where you get and you get so frustrated, can't find. Like that night for us, it was. But think think what it must have been that night for them. A long-awaited Messiah was about to make his grand debut. And there was no room for him the savior of the world had been that we have been waiting for for over four thousands and thousands of years, and yet there was no room for him, no room for Jesus in the inn, no room for the king of kings, no room for the creator of the world, no room for the Messiah. He should have been given parades and parties and all the provisions should have been made for him. But there were none, none. Christ could have been given and ushered, ushered with leagues and thousands and thousands of angels or be born to a king in a palace. But he did not chose that. You see, Jesus chose to humble himself and come in a form of a baby who would be laid in a manger. Laid in a manger, a dirty, stinky animal feeder because there was no room for him in the end. No room. Church, the words no room I want you to say that to someone else. This person next to you say, "No room." No room. Okay, come on. You can say it louder than that. Moom 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 moom. No room. No room. The words "no room" really describes well about Jesus' life on this earth. Aside from no room in the inn, there was no room in Herod's kingdom. No room, because you see, there was no room for Jesus to be in the kingdom, in Herod's kingdom. And Matthew 2.16 says that Herod was what? Was furious of the news of Jesus' birth and that he sent out and killed all the two-year-old and under male children, all the boys in Bethlehem. Because you see, there was no room for Jesus' in Herod's kingdom. And as Jesus grew older during his earthly ministry, there was no room in the world's comforts for Jesus. He had no place to live. And Matthew 8.20 tells us that Jesus said that in in contrast to the animals and the birds, that he had nowhere to lay his head. There was no room in the religious tradition established by the Pharisees. So he was rejected by them at every turn. Look at Matthew 26. It tells us that there was no room in all of the plans of the religious leaders in Jerusalem. Because you see, church, Jesus was a threat to the chief priests and elders of the church, and of the government. And that they plotted together to arrest Jesus quietly and kill him. It was to eliminate Jesus, eliminate him because there was no room for him. And so the movement to remove Christ's presence in the lives of people on all levels is nothing new. It is nothing new to us. It gives a picture of this whole earthly life of Jesus. Most people in Jesus' day spent most of their time rejecting him, testing him, and trying to kill him. And they did. And and instead of listening to Jesus and learning from him and placing their faith and trust in him. And see, church, the reality is this. There may have been no room for him in many of these people's lives, but it appears that the only place on earth where there was room for Jesus was at the cross of Calvary. Was at the cross of Calvary. And the the words, no room, could also be described in our lives and in the people around us today. You see, for instance, people claim no room for Jesus because there are, they've got so much stuff to do. And that, and that there's no room for Jesus while they're enjoying their hobbies, recreational activities, and their luxuries of life. And church, I am not saying that those things are bad and don't do it. But what I'm saying is this, that we need to be cautious because the danger of it is this. We can take all of those things that we enjoy in in life, which God wants us to, but it is that we could take those and make it be part of who we are and make it be God. And I have been enjoying the study in our women's Bible study to where we need to be be free of us, to where it needs to be not about us. It needs to be about God. It needs to be about Jesus. And in the season that we're in, church, the season, this Christmas season, we need to make sure that it's not about us. It is about Jesus Christ who was born for us in a manger. And allow him, allow him to be part of who we are. Because see, people fail to allow, and I, I am guilty of this, and many of you probably with me, we fail to allow the word to give daily direction to our thoughts and conversations. And that the Lord Jesus is not even considered in our daily plans. We wake up and it's all about what I'm going to do today. Really, it is about what we're going to do. But it's what God is going to do through me today. Because Psalm 10-4 describes a heart where there is no room for Jesus. And it says, in his pride, the wicked man, or I would say the wicked woman, does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for him for God scripture is saying that and so it would be very sad church indeed if we discovered in eternity that God had no room for us in heaven wouldn't that be sad that because we failed to repent of our sins and trusted in Jesus for salvation see the celebration of Jesus birth is a celebration that he was to be born so that he can die for us. Since we could not make the room for fellowship with God, he did it for us, for you and me, by taking the punishment upon himself, which you and I deserve it because of our sin. God took on the human form of a baby in Bethlehem, in Bethlehem to make eternal salvation available available for us no room people for us you see from that cross that jesus hanged on as he looked at those who found no room for him on the cross what did he say to them he said father forgive them for they do not know what they are doing Church, there is room in Jesus' heart and and salvation for all sinners, for all of us. Amen? Amen. 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 And I love during this time of the season as we sing Christmas songs and as you begin to listen in the radio, Christmas songs are filled with prayer after prayer, asking Jesus to take up a permanent residence in our hearts. A song that says, O oh, holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast ours, out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell, Oh, come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. As we are about to experience another Christmas, Christmas 2018, How will it be different from other Christmases for you? How will it be different? Is there room for Jesus this Christmas in your life? I pray that you can make room, make room for him in your life. You see church, Jesus is still looking for a place to stay. He is. He's still searching and he will never stop searching to be with you and never stop wanting to fill you up with his presence. In this season, In this Christmas season, church, Jesus wants to enter our hearts through faith. Jesus, he wants to stay in our lives, not just for that one moment, one night, but every day and every week, every second unto the new year to come and for the rest of your life. Does he have a place in your heart, in your day in and day out living? I love the story that um, Paul Harvey told, the story of a, of a little boy who had been given a part in the innkeeper of the church Christmas pageant. And, and carefully, he practiced his part, and he would, um, he would point to the door. So let me just point to that door, and he would say with a firm voice to Mary and Joseph in that play, and he said, there's no room for you here. You'll have to go somewhere else. So the big night came, and and all his relatives, of course, more, and we know we go and support the kids and, and knowing what he was supposed to do. And so when it came to, this, to speak his part, the little boy's face was so unhappy. He was so unhappy, and the tears started coming down and appearing. And, and as, as he raised his arm and pointed to the door, He somehow changed his mind, and instead of saying, there's no room, he shouted, you can have my room. You can have my room. Does he have your room this morning? My prayer for us is that we make room for Jesus in our lives. Not just, not just little room, it has to be a big room our entire life, every places of our being, every part, every part of it. What does it all mean to us then this morning, church? You've heard about there's no room for in the inn on that, in that Bethlehem night. But for us is this. I want to share six quick practical ways, and I call it make room God moments. And I, I, I challenge you to take this on as I challenge myself and I challenge, maybe not you, challenge your family, your coworkers is this. First, we need to quiet our hearts. We live in a very noisy culture, society, that taking five minutes to be quiet and focus on, on our Savior can change the landscape of our thoughts during a very stressful season. And I like this. I love... Psalm 46.10 that says, be still and know that I am God. But what, what Eugene Peterson translates that verse into here, says, you see it on the screen, step out of the traffic. Take a long, loving look at me, at him, your high God. Church, in the coming week, I encourage you to to sit in silence for five minutes. That's all we're saying here. Five minutes or more, go with it if you have time. But five minutes is all I ask at the beginning of your day or any time that you can squeeze in before stress gets gets the better of you. And set a timer. Make yourself uh, sit still. That's not easy for me. Can I just tell you to sit still? But I'm learning to breathe deep and to know that he is God. I know for the students in the house, you have finals coming up, projects to do. Maybe for those of you are at work, but there are going to be a lot of things that's on your plate. But here, five quiet moments for me reminds me that with Jesus at my side, I don't have to live my life in a hurry. I don't. Quiet our hearts. Secondly, make room for his word. See, during this Christmas season, we celebrate the truth. Amen? Amen. We celebrate his truth. The word became flesh, made his dwelling among us. So let's open our doors, our heart to to more of Jesus. More of Jesus by making room in our lives, in our schedules. Ooh, don't go there. In our schedules, making room for the life-giving word of God. So church, this Christmas Can I suggest that this may not be the best season to make up for the lost time so you want to speed read through the Bible for a year? So this is only a time I'm going to encourage you to maybe spend reading a verse each day. A verse each day. And if you think, I want to start but I just don't know how, come talk to our ministry team. We want to resource you. We've got resources that we can do that. Make room for his word. Secondly, come clean. Come clean. What does that mean? As much as we enjoy the holiday season, it adds more to our, to our already busy lives, doesn't it? More activities, more shopping, more work in the kitchen, more decorating, more stress, more shopping, more stress, more, more and more. Before you know it, you start to worry. And you get snappy, right? Your attitude, you get angry, you're short-tempered. Before you know it. A layer of frustration and resentment can build up inside. Yet nothing frees our heart like taking a few minutes to humble ourselves before God and ask them to show us our sins. That's a lot of, that takes a, that's a lot of humility to be able to say to God, what am I doing wrong? And I like what Psalm says, search me, oh God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there are any hurtful way in me. And lead me in the everlasting way. Come clean this season. The next one is ask God to heal our broken places. Yes, there are a lot of broken things around, but we are all broken, aren't we? There are high expectations for a joyous season that can weigh heavy, on our hearts. Christmas may bring painful reminders of the past, of how dysfunctional can, our families can be, how struggles, if you are lonely, and, and it just seems like I'm just all alone. And the loss of a loved one, that's hard. But maybe for you, this Christmas is a reminder that maybe for some of you parents, a prodigal that you have loved and prayed for has not come to know Christ yet. But don't give up because, see, God always waits for us to pour out our hearts and simply wants us to tell him everything, even though he knows it. But he wants us to tell him because, you see, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Be encouraged of that, church, and certainly Another way that we can do God moment this week is that we are forgetful people. I don't know about you, but I forgot where my keys was on the other day. But remember what he has done. The holidays can set us on track of rushing to get everything done. Then before you know it, the year has ended. The year has ended, and we're looking ahead, wondering what goals and priorities I am going to have in January in January. But let's not forget that the gentle art of examining our lives to look at the evidence of what God has done, his provision, his grace, and his mercy. And the psalm says the Lord has done great things for us. Amen? Amen. And as I look around, God has done great things in this church, and we are filled with joy. And we can celebrate that. So let me ask you this. What has God done for you this past year? Looking through that, can you make a list? Someone mentioned to me this morning about making a naughty list and a nice list of what God has done. Hey, God can do anything, right? But God said, it helps us to find those things that we look at what God has done. It gives us encouragement and hope. When, the heart, when we are in a hard place, this season, when we things look very discouraging, that list can, can get us through many things because, you see, we have the same God who is faithful, who has blessed you this, in the past, and he will continue to do so in the future. He will. And lastly is this, church, ask God to renew our hearts, to renew hearts your heart. You may be dragging weary around, around you as you push through this extra activities and responsibilities this season. Maybe a long year has drained your strength. You, it's been too much. It's been a lot this year. How about stopping for a few minutes to remember the Lord as our shepherd? He makes me lie down in green pastures He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides along the path for his name's sake. The good shepherd who wants to care for us, who wants to refresh us and our soul with the awareness that he loves us. So let's ask him to renew our hearts and and our strength. And this list that comes up there are just the ones that I've been talking about. So church, will you join me? Will you join your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ here at the Croc Center to make room for Jesus, for his presence in our lives this Christmas, starting right now? Yes. Don't wait till, I'll wait till tomorrow. Don't wait till tomorrow. Because you see, Jesus has made room for you, and he makes room for you daily, for he is gracious. He provides both physic- physically and spiritually. He has made room for us and I love it, this, this hope that we have, that he has prepared a room for us in heaven. Talk about room, right? We make room for him, and he has a room for us in heaven. In my father's house are many rooms. If, there, if it were not so, would I have told you that? i go to prepare a place for you. What a hope. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. And that where I am, you may be also. Christmas is all about hope, church, that the God who comes to be present with us will never desert us. Our hope comes from in the promise of his presence, God's presence, the presence that God assures us that there is always hope no matter what circumstances that you may be facing in your lives right now. That, that, that's what Christmas is all about. So let us invite the presence of God to come and be present in our lives. And so is there room for him in your relationship with your spouse? Is there room for him in your family, with your children? Is there room in your, in your job, in your ministry, in your career, in school? How about this? Is there room for him in your attitude? is there? Is there? Someone mentioned something about being, in the and being stuck in traffic this morning. How is that? How are we going to make room for Jesus? It's stuck in traffic. No matter who we are and where we come from or circumstances that cause us to come, we are to take our place in the Christmas story. Allow Jesus to be part of our lives And Jesus was born in order that God be present in humanity for eternity. And church, I want us this Christmas, when you wake up in the morning, instead of waking up with a sign, whatever sign, how big or little, a sign that says no vacancy, I'd like you to wake up every morning with a sign that says, Occupy of the Son of God. Occupied, And when it's occupied, that means his presence is in you. And that presence will ooze out to those that need to know God's presence this Christmas season. I'd like to end, and thank you for being patient with this video. A video that I truly, that I like and encourages me, how God chooses us. How God, he chose you for, for each one of us is very different but God has a reason and a purpose why he came and he chose you so that he wants to fill your life with his presence. And I want you to see, to see it in the life of Mary, the mother of Jesus. The challenge is this church, are you willing, are you available to make room for Jesus to be born in your life today? Not just right now, this moment, but for the rest of your life. And start with this season, this Christmas season, to have him be in your life. I'd like to pray for each and every one of you. I'm going to ask those that are normally, pr- that we ask them to go on the side. I want you to see who they are. Because they are the ones, we have some that, w- that are willing to pray with you at any time. So when you see them, please go to them and they are willing to pray with you. But this morning, I'm going to ask that with your eyes closed and your, your um, head bow, if you want me to lift you up in prayer, quiet and just raise your hand. I'm going to ask the light to be dim, if you may. Amen. God bless you. Trying to make this thing work for us and live the life that God wants us is not easy. But certainly all things are possible, isn't it? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you. We've heard your word and as we look at you, your God, your son's birth, Lord, you, so much to, to know, so much to hear and take on. We ask your forgiveness, for putting in in those, that empty void that needs to be filled by you, Lord, we filled it up with many things. So we ask for your forgiveness. But with that, Lord. We want you to fill it in. Whatever that we're dealing with, everyone who's raised their hands, or maybe those that have that didn't raise their hand, Lord. For all of us in this room, we lift up our concerns to you, our prayers, our desires. It's all yours, Lord. I lift them up to you. We thank you for the opportunity to be reminded this morning of who you are. You're a God who wants to dwell in us. A God who wants wants your son's presence to be in our lives. So Father, help us to make room. We need your help. We need your strength. We need your Holy Spirit, Lord. So thank you for those who've raised their hands. Be with them in this time of need. Bring comfort and hope and healing. We praise you, Lord, for who you are. We ask this in your son's precious and mighty, mighty name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.